0: that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we prayed over our youth to receive scholarships and grants. We prayed over people for supernatural debt cancellation, and we prayed over people to receive jobs and also job schedule changes that would allow them to attend church more. And so if you had a testimony from that Sunday, make sure you email it in at info at FCCGA.com. Send us that testimony so we can rejoice with you. I know after our experience last Sunday, someone came up to me and they said they've been needing a job. And they had gone and applied for a job three different times. And they got a no every time. And so when we asked people to stand who were believing for jobs, you know, she didn't want to stand. And the Lord said, you know you need to stand up. And so she stood up and we prayed. She says the next day she got a job. Praise God. And so, if you have testimonies like that, make sure you send it in and know if God did it for them, God will do it for you too. Amen? Amen. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, one of the things we do every fall is we take time to teach on the family. We call it faith and family in the fall. And so, in October and November, we have been teaching on family and relationships, sharing practical scriptural wisdom from the Word of God. And verse 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, aren't you glad he loves you, Amen. and us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests, unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Jesus made us kings and priests. So we've been talking about this in October and November that we are royalty. One of the reasons Jesus died and was raised again was to make us royalty. As we said last week, Jesus died and was raised again to give us a new identity. And if you didn't hear that message, I encourage you to go to our podcast or go to the website where it's there for free and listen to our messages so you can keep building stronger in your faith. So you are royalty, Jesus died and rose again to give you a new identity. A part of that wonderful identity is that you are royalty. In this series, we have covered building royal households or the royal family that God has called us to have. We say we begin to think of your family as a royal family. And we think of different royal families. We're all familiar with the one in Britain that when you think of them, I'm sure their conversations are different. The the way they raise their children is different because they raise their children to rule. They raise their children with a mentality, whatever you do will affect the empire. It's a different way they raise them because they understand the importance they will one day have in their role. So even as they're raising them, they may not do everything right, but I'm sure there's some conversations behind the scene reminding them who they really are. We say in the same way, because of what Jesus did, we are royalty. And we must view our families as royal families. That one of the reasons God put us on this earth is to rule. And so we have to have that mentality when we view our family. So go to Romans chapter 13. And I encourage you if you miss any of these messages to get them on our podcast or the website. We put the word out there as much as we can for free so that people can grow and be a blessing. And then also, if you want to follow along with my notes today, you can go to the YouVersion Bible apps under the events or the live events section and download this message and follow along with me and my notes. Romans chapter 13, verse 7. We've quoted this scripture twice today already. It says, render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom who custom. This is the IRS favorite scripture because Jesus says pay taxes. I'm surprised they don't have it on their doors. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loves another has fulfilled the law For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this same namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. One of the things that verse 7 teaches is about honoring positions that individuals hold. Verse 8 instructs us not to have a debt of honor, but to love one another. Today, we took time to honor and show honor to our veterans, and we honored the Lord with our tithes and our offering. One of the reasons people honor royalty is because of the position they hold. You are royalty, and so is your family. Say amen to that one more time. Do you owe a debt of honor to those of your own house? See, I knew y'all weren't going to say amen after that, so I got an advanced amen. Amen. (laughs) So before we get into your house, let me talk to the single people real quick. Say, I am royalty. I I want all the single people to yell out, "I I am royalty. So then don't date someone who doesn't understand. If they can't see your value, you do not need to be dating them. So, oh, I'm lonely. It's better to be lonely and have peace than to be together and be crazy. You have to understand your worth. Because just because it's a little bit colder and it's getting closer to cuffing season, he wants someone to hold you tight and be a little bit warmer during the holidays. If they don't understand who you really are, that's just going to bring you hell. You'll be warm, but it's hellfire. (laughs) You only date those who understand who you are. You shouldn't have to prove to the person you're dating who you are again and again and again to make them value you. If they don't value you when you're dating, they're not going to value you when you get married. Saying I do is not magic words. It's just going to reveal what you didn't see before. That's why you take time when you date. That means you have to pay attention, you have to ask some questions. It's not like, "Oh, do you love Jesus? Yes, you're spiritual great. Well demons are spirits too. We need some clarification. Who is you? Where do you come from? And this day and age, have you always been a man? Have you always been a woman? Is this a recent development? Inquiry minds want to know. What is your credit score? How much debt do you owe? Do you have a job? These are some important questions that both sides have to ask. See, a lot of single people want to believe for somebody they're not. Woo. Y'all know I like to act up on family series. So why you believe in someone who's got a good job, that's prosperous, that has a 401K, that's saved, that has a lot of money, but you're deep in debt and you're bad with money? So, oh, it'll be a blessing to me, but it'll be a curse to them. If you're believing for someone who prospers like that, line up and be that same person. Become the person you're looking for. Work on yourself so that you're a blessing, so that you have confidence. Yeah, if we get together, I can upgrade you. You should have more confidence than Beyonce and Jay-Z when they sing that song, that you know your value, so if you get together, I'm going to bring you up, not I'm going to bring you down. You have to know who you are, and you have to have something that backs it up. So that's why you watch people in every season of life. You know, just, oh, we've met, we dated for two months. I just know. I just know they're the one for me. This is not a Disney movie. (laughs) This is real life. Game knows game. People can put on game for a little while. So you watch them. You pray. You talk to other people who aren't so emotionally attached. Because the thing is, if y'all start sleeping together, you ain't going to pay attention to nothing. And then you get married, so I go, why didn't God bless my marriage? You started it wrong, and so then you keep it wrong, and then you're wondering why the blessing is not there. So, well, it's 2017? Yes, but the Bible's still true. Sex sin is still a sin, and it still open doors to the enemy. And one of the things it does, it blinds your eyes so you can't see the truth. You have to realize that your royalty. So, you do not lower your standards. Now, I'm not saying create some certain standards that if I'm gonna date this person, they have to be this height, their hair has to be this. I'm not talking about those standards. That's crazy. Ladies, you can be looking for someone who's six foot five, but the God person God has for you is five foot eight, and you're missing them. You may need to look down, but it's okay, you're missing them. praying for a good man. He don't realize he's in the friend zone. He's like, oh, I want the Hollywood movies. You realize that's fake, right? You want the person you married to be your friend. Because when you guys grow older and everything changes, you want to have at least a friendship. Friendship. The Bible teaches spouses should be friends and lovers. You have to have both. So if you're not friends, you ain't ready to get married. And see, still in this area, it's like, oh, they're my best friends, and they're the opposite sex. But you can't say about that friendship with the person you're dating. Stop dating that person, date your best friend. Because that attachment's not going to disappear after you get married. That's still going to be there. Why can't y'all connect and be friends? There's some other issues there. Because don't think friends just disappear after you get married. Y'all have to have conversations while you date what friends you like, what friends you don't like. Now, that's not a date one, date three, date five question. That's a dating conversation once there's commitment. You have to talk about family backgrounds. You need to talk about family members, those you know and those you trust and those you say they're never allowed to come to the house. You need to have those conversations. So Thanksgiving is not always a surprise when so-and-so shows up. You need to have a conversation that when you have kids, who is allowed to be around your kids? Just because their blood does not mean they get to see your child. There can be some people in your family that you say, yep, they will never meet them. If the child sees a picture, it's like, oh, who's that in the picture, daddy? Oh, that's just somebody Jesus loves. (laughs) Your royalty. Protect your house. And so if you're thinking about getting married to someone, understand it's like a business merger. It's two different lives, two different livelihoods, two different businesses merging together. And that is not something that happens overnight. Just because you say I do and you have sex doesn't mean you become one. Becoming one is a process. It takes time. Anyone familiar with business mergers, when they become one business, it takes years to sort out things. They got two departments doing the same thing and neither department knew each other existed. It took time. It takes effective communication. Now, usually when I say effective communications, all the ladies nod and say, that's right and amen. But it's not communication. It's effective communication. So married people, you have to understand where communication is concerned, how you guys both talk. You have to define terms. And it's not always the ladies who like to talk a lot, and some there's some guys who can, woo, really talk. <laughs> but when you're having the conversation, if you see that you're losing them, don't keep having the conversation. Because all you're doing is talking, and you've lost them. So part of having effective communication is knowing the best times to talk, the best times to have this conversation, and respecting the other person enough to know when to end it and when to time it. Now, this is not even a gender question because we got ladies in here who love football and guys who love football. And so if you're married to someone who loves football, don't try to have an important conversation at halftime. You will be frustrated. They will be frustrated. Nobody will be happy. Respect each other enough or honor each other enough to know when conversations should be had. So we talked about honoring yourself and seeing yourself as royalty. But do you owe a debt of honor to those in your own household? You're supposed to give honor to whom honor is due, and by position alone, they are due honor. Because you marry them. They're due honor because they're in your house. Even the baby mamas and baby daddies are due honor. Just because you aren't married to them, but they are the parent of your child, and depending on the level of involvement, they will see your child on a regular basis. That doesn't mean you dishonor them in front of the child. You still show honor. Why? Ladies, do this for example. If you're always dogging out their father, always talking about all the bad things they've done, and he start yelling, see, that's why I don't need a man. What, are, what mentality will your daughters grow up with? If you're always yelling that men are dogs, what is your son going to think? So your son will either grow up and say, that's who I have to be, or the son will grow up and say, I don't want to be a man. We suffer from a lack of things in our community because of a lack of honor. You give honor with your actions and with the words of your mouth. Is there a lack of honor in your own house? Have you violated the law of honor in your own house? Go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 8. James chapter 2, verse 8. It says, if you fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. The royal law is the law that governs our royalty. It is the law of love. Love gives honor to whom honor is due. You can fulfill the law of honor by committing to the law of love. Let's look at the commandment of love in Matthew 22, verse 37. Matthew 22, verse 37. Is there a lack of honor in your house? Because if you're portraying a lack of honor, that's what your kids will copy. And we wonder why we have an honorless society. They didn't just pick it up overnight. They didn't learn it at college one day. That's what they saw. James 2, we said James 2 verse 8 tells us about the royal law. Matthew 22 verse 37 says, Jesus said unto him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment and the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law, and the prophets. All the law and the prophets hang on the law of love. We see that, right? You know, I like my examples. Brother Robert, come help me for a second. It's not a big curtain, small little curtain. I want you to hang this up, right here. No, not hold. It. I want you to hang it up. Hang it up. Yeah, just hang it up. Just put it up there. I'm sorry. Yeah, just put it up. Hang it up. No, hang it up. You're holding it. Just put it right here. Hang it right here. Hang it. Try it one more time. Hang it up. Okay, let's do it. I have confidence in you and have confidence in this curtain. I believe in the curtain. I have faith in the curtain. I confess about that curtain. Hang it up. Why will this curtain not hang up? There's nothing to hang on, right? Is the blessing inconsistent in your life because there's nothing to hang on? Thank you, sir. All the law and the prophets hang on the command of love. All the blessings of the word hang on the command of love. If the law of love is not what governs your life and governs your house, the blessing of God will be inconsistent. It's not because God doesn't want to bless you. It's just nothing to hang it on. So you'll see blessing one moment and not the next. Blessing one moment, not the next. But you have faith in the blessing. You believe in the blessing. You confess the blessing. You shout about the blessing. You dance about the blessing. You pray about the blessing. But there's nothing for the blessing to hang on. Because you violated the law of love. You violated the law of honor. And there's no blessing there. Is there something for the blessing? to hang on in your life, to hang on in your house because it would only hang consistency on the law of love. And the law of love is only a hanger if that is your lifestyle or your consistency. It has to be do what you do again and again and again. You can't can't be nice to people when you walk into the sanctuary. You have to live the law of love all the time. It's not just about Fussing your spouse and your children out on the way to church. Get out the car, you smile at the hospitality team, and you look at them and say, You better not say nothing. Walk in, Hallelujah! (laughs) Hallelujah! Ah, Thank you! You smile wearing those masks we talked about last week. And you go back in the car and you cuss out your spouse again. That's not the law of love, that's a show. And we wonder why the blessing is inconsistent. And we think, well, this faith stuff doesn't work. No, faith works. You just haven't worked the word. You've violated the law of love. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Is the law of love the governing rule of your home and royal family? Is the law of love the governing rule of your home and your royal family? That's what we're about to see. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. So say amen. Amen. Say amen one more time. Say amen one more time. I'm just getting amens in advance if y'all are quiet. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of water by the word. "...that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord of the church. For we are members of his body, and of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh." This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Jesus showed his love by giving and putting us first. He put us first above his own comfort when he came, when he suffered, when he died and rose again. Before Jesus came, he was in glory, in heaven. But he put that all aside to come for us and put himself in human flesh. Then he suffered, then he died, he went to hell, he was raised again. He put us first. So if Jesus showed his love by his giving and putting us first, husbands, you should show your love to your wife through your giving and you putting them first. Jesus is your example of love. He put them first. Didn't say put them first when he felt like it. Put them first when they acted right. Put them first when they deserved it. Put them first when they were nice to you. He did it out of love. When you're saying I do, you are committing to putting your wife before yourself. Now, it says nourish and cherish. How do you nourish and cherish your flesh? You give it what it needs and adjust to what it needs. Well, how do you adjust? When it's cold, you put on warmer clothing. You adjust the clothing due to the temperature. And this way, the husband is to adjust how he loves his wife due to her need. The same way the husband would adjust to take care of his body, he is to adjust to love his wife the way she needs That means you don't just love your wife one way, and that's it. You adjust the way you love her depending on what she needs at the moment. See, I told you I need to get some amens in advance. Because it's really easy for us guys to walk in the room and see our wives having a rough or off day and go, well, time to go to the man cave. Time to go hide out. I'm going to order myself some pizza and hide. Now, if that's really what she needs you to do at that moment, then that's what you do. But the thing is, we have to adjust our perspective. We have to see what do they really need and meet that need. We have to love based on what they need, not how we see love, not how we want love. Loving our wives as they need us to love them. Loving our wives as they desire us to love them. That is what we're supposed to do. That's one of the ways we honor our wives. The only way for the husband to love his wife this way is through time, observation, and effective communication. Now, ladies, you have to teach your husband how to love you. You can't say, well, he should know. Look, there's a lot of things people should know. But it doesn't mean they know. So that means you have to teach him how to love you in the language he understands. So that means you can't talk to him like he's one of your girlfriends. Because he ain't. You lost him five minutes in. You have to teach him the way he needs to learn in the language he understands. Which means to the best of your uh, ability, you have to understand what you need and communicate that to him. Don't expect him to be some mystical, magical person you see in Hollywood. That's a script written to get your attention. So that has to be effective communication. 1 Peter 3 7 says, Likewise, in the same way, ye husbands, dwell with them, your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and it being heirs together the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Husbands, you are to live with your wife according to knowledge. So that means you need to pay attention. You need to watch. You need to observe. You need to listen. Not listen to respond, listen to learn. So that you can live with them, not just saying, well, we're roommates. Live with them as a living representative of Jesus. Determined to love them just the same way Jesus loves us. Now, people like to twist that scripture and say that, well, the Bible says the woman is weak. It did not say that. The woman is anything but weak. How do I don't know that? Fellas, none of us ever, ever, ever want to give birth to a child. Ever. Ever, 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 If it was up to men to have babies, the human population would not be here today. At the first kick, we have told Jesus, take us home. Not the first contraction, the first kick. So the woman is anything but weak. So what does that scripture mean? It says, show honor to her as unto the weaker vessel or the more fragile vessel. Now, what does that mean? This is a plastic cup that's probably less worth than less than one cent. I don't handle this carefully. I can I Drop it. Drop it again. Pick it up. Don't care. Throw it over here. It's not a weak vessel. It's not an expensive vessel. But if I was handling a crystal cup that had value, I'm gonna treat it differently because what it's composed of is more valuable than the cup. So it's not the fact that I'm being, well, this is weak. No, no, this is valuable. So I show honor to this cup how I handle it. So fellas, your wife is anything but weak. But how you treat her is out of honor. Not that you think she's weak. Yes, you can take out the trash by herself. But you can honor her and say, you know, I'm going to take it for you. (laughs) It's not a matter of strength or weakness. It's a matter of honor. Say, it's not a matter Of strength or weakness, it's a matter of honor. So husbands are to show honor to their wives. It is an honor that is based on the law of love. Husbands, treat your wife like she is the queen Jesus died for and was raised for. Remember that your wife is royalty. She is a queen, so treat her like one. Spouses, if you mistreat each other, your prayers will be hindered. Amen? Now, ladies, say amen three times. Amen. 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 Good, getting amens in advance. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Classic Edition. It says, However, let each man of you, without exception, Love his wife as being, in a sense, his very own self. Let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. 1 Peter 3, 2, Amplified, Classic Edition says, When they observe the pure and modest way in which you conduct yourselves, together with your reverence for your husband, you are to feel for him all that reverence includes, to respect, to defer to, revere him, to honor, esteem, appreciate, prize, and in the human sense to adore him. That is to admire, praise, be devoted to, deeply love, and enjoy your husband. Wives, your husbands will question your love for them if they consistently are disrespected by you or devalued by you. Notice it says defer to. Notice it said notice. Do you notice your husband? I'm not saying you notice him when they walk in the room and say, hey, what's up? <laughs> Do you notice the good things that he does? Because you can pick out all the wrong things and talk about them all day, but you minimize the good that he does. If you keep maximizing the bad, he's not going to be inspired to do more, to do good. When it comes to noticing him, you have to pick out what is he doing right. If he's only doing one thing right, then you celebrate and talk about it all day long. Because the thing is, how his ego responds Well, man, if she praises me about this one thing, what if I did two things? But if you keep saying, well, you you didn't do this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, he's tuned you out. And now he questions if you really love him. And now you've opened the door for the enemy to send someone in. So someone comes by work and appreciates the work he did at work. But you haven't even praised his work at home or his work at work. You see, you have to understand a lot how a lot of men are wired. They find value, even though it's not correct, from the work of their hands, from what they do. And if you always ignore what they do with their hands, then you say, well, that's not important because you didn't show me enough time. You're not praising them where they're finding their identity at that moment. And so they go to work, and someone praises them for doing a good job. Now that person has their ear, not you. And then they begin to question, do you really love them? Because you're always telling them about all the bad things they do. It is a lack of honor. Because if your husband doesn't feel honored by you, he will question if you love him. You can say, I love you all day long. But if he feels disrespected and devalued, he doesn't believe you love him. You're supposed to surprise him. You're supposed to celebrate him. He needs your support, he needs your encouragement. God did not call you to be your husband's spiritual policeman. Well, Bay, did you pray today? (laughs) Did you read your word? Did you confess your scriptures? Why ain't you coming to church more? That is not going to get him to want to come to church. Because if you're always nagging him in his mind, I got two hours of no nagging. So you go to church and get yours, and I'll get my peace at home. And so you want to know why your husband doesn't want to come to church. Well, I've been praying. Well, you need to do a little bit more than pray. See, I'm going to quote Pastor Deborah. This is how I stay safe. Something that Pastor Deborah would teach for years. She'll teach it in the women's meeting. And so most of the men don't hear, but I'll listen to the tapes and I hear what she says. And she says, women, if your husbands aren't saved yet, if they're not living the way they should, they're not coming to church, here are the two things you need to do. Pray for them and have sex with them. <laughs> and people do exactly what you said. They go, but you really think, well, see, all the kids are supposed to be kids' Well. Do you really think you holding out is going to make him serve Jesus? That's a lack of honor. That's a lack of love. And you keep holding out, depending on his level of salvation and holiness, he's going somewhere else. And you open the door to it because of a lack of honor. We have to honor each other. It's like pastor pray for him, pastor talk to him. Why don't you love him like the Bible told you to love him? Cuz the Bible even says in 1st Peter that they can be one without the word when they see your lifestyle. If you go home to your husband, who's not at church right now, and talk about how great your husband is, how much you appreciate him. He may be watching the game, and you made his favorite meal while he watches the game, and you're encouraging him. And that's what you do every Sunday after you leave church. He's going to want to know what's going on at your church. You go to church, and you come back wanting to be a blessing to me? You know, I just may need to come to church outside of Easter. It's honor. It's showing value. It's wives, treat your husbands like they're the king Jesus died for and was raised for. You have to remember you are both royalty. You have to remember the value you both have. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 33 and 34, tells us that the married man cares for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife, with well, the unmarried woman, with well, un, the married woman, cares for the things of the world how she may please her husband. The word "please" there means to seek to be agreeable. It means to seek to be agreeable. If you're seeking to be agreeable, that means you're working on ending your annoying habits. We all got annoying habits. But not sins, they're just annoying. Great wars have been started over toilet paper and toothpaste. Small little things. Great wars. Great wars have been started about where you leave your socks and your underwear, fella. Annoying habits. Not sins, just annoying habits. But if I'm seeking to be agreeable, that means I'm going to work on my annoying habits because I want to please my spouse, because I'm putting them before me. One of the ways spouses show love and honor toward each other is seeking to be agreeable to each other. The message version of these two verses show that seeking to please takes time and energy. If you are to love and honor each other effectively, you have to put in the time and the energy. People say, well, I honored him for one week. I honored him on Father's Day. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> really? I honored her on Mother's Day. I didn't forget the anniversary this year. And I think I sent flowers on Valentine's Day on time. Whoop-de-doo, do 3 to four days a year. And you think the law of honor is in place. It has to be what you do consistently. It has to be a lifestyle of honor, a lifestyle of love, that this is what you do all of the time so that the blessing has somewhere to hang in your family. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Treat your spouses like the royalty they are. I remember a certain man of God was ministering to different people in Hollywood, and he was sharing one time about how he met with a person. And someone asked, well, are they saved? He says, no, not even close. But I treated them like they were a potential child of God. They got potential. It could happen one day. Your spouse may not be saved. Treat them like a potential child of God. Treat them like the royalty they will one day become. See something greater in them and treat them accordingly. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. The parents always love the scripture. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I'd preach the scripture. Before I even preached, this, I would have the youth say, like three different times, We love Pastor K2. And it's like, What are you about to teach if you're making us confess that? Let's so go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Like, oh <laughs> children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. The law of love and honor must be shown between children and parents as well. Children and teenagers are to honor and treat as valuable. That's what that word means, their parents. So if you're living in their house, you follow their rules, 620. Yeah, I'm looking at you. You ain't that grown yet. You know a lot, but you're not there yet. So while you live in their house, treat your parents as valuable my parents act crazy. You may be the one who drove them crazy. (laughs) You got some special ways yourself. But treat your parents like they're valuable. Be a blessing at home. Do what you can to help out the family. Understand you're still a kid, even if you're a teenager. You're not supposed to be an adult yet. You're getting ready for that portion of your life. And so in the meantime, enjoy being a teenager. Please enjoy it. It will never come back again. So honor, treat your parents as valuable, but the valuing of parents is not supposed to end when the child turns 18, but to continue throughout their lives. So although you have your own house now, you can do what you want, you don't have to do what they say, but you still honor them. You still treat them as valuable. You still call them. You still go to see them. You still FaceTime them. You do what you need to do to show them that they are valuable honored. It's not just when you turn 18 you can stop honoring them. You may can stop doing what they tell you to do because you're not in their house, but you still show them honor. You still show them that they're valuable. Children are to always honor their parents. Verse 4 says, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The law of love and honor must be shown between children and parents. So that means honor has to come from the kids to the parents. But honor also has to go from the parents to the kids. The phrase bring up means to nourish, to cherish, to train up to maturity. The word nurture here means the whole training and education of children. It is the cultivation of mind and morals. It includes commands, admonitions, and corrections. It also includes the training and the care of the body. The word admonition means the training by word. Whether encouragement or warning, it is also the calling attention to. Remember, it is the nurture and admonition of the Lord who is love. Psalm 127.3 says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So when you correct your children... Are you correcting them like they are the rewards from God, or are you correcting them like they're annoyances? Remember, you are raising your children to be royalty. You're raising them to rule. So that has to go in the whole mindset of our parenting. Even when we discipline them, are we disciplining them like they're royalty, or are we disciplining them like they're slaves on a plantation? We have to make sure the way we discipline is not something that was enforced into the culture because of slavery. That we discipline out of honor based on the word of God. Understanding that our children are royalty. When you are raising your sons and daughters, you are raising princes and princesses who will one day be kings and queens. Raise your kids like they are the princess and the princesses Jesus died for and was raised for. They will always be your children, but also remember they are your brothers and sisters in the Lord. They will always be your children. But remember, they are your brothers and your sisters in the Lord. We have to view everything we do from the standpoint of royalty. We're royalty. Our spouse is royalty. Our kids are royalty. Everything we do, we're raising them up to rule, to have royal households that follow the word of God, that follows the law of honor, that follows the law of love. In closing this, 1 Peter 2, 17, honor all. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Live a life of honor and love at home and in public honor value esteem your family and everyone you meet fulfill the law of honor through the law of love fulfill the law of honor through the law of love give somewhere for the blessing to hang in your life and in your family because if you train your kids up this way when they're older they will not depart it's not just bringing them to church and tell them the word of God. It's by doing what the Holy Ghost tells you as you raise them. The Holy Ghost will tell you how to protect them. The Holy Ghost will tell you where to take them, where not to take them. The Holy Ghost will tell you what schools to put them in. The Holy Ghost will tell you how to train them up in a time where it seems, is college really worth it? The Holy Ghost knows more than we know. We have to teach our children by precept and example that we go before God and get his wisdom. Because if your kids see this as you grow up, as they grow up, they see you always seeking God about everything, it'll be easier for them to accept when you tell them, no, you can't hang out with those people. You can't go to that house. Well, why? I prayed about it, and I don't have peace about it. They're more likely to trust your judgment because they know you hear from God. And if you always seek the Holy Ghost in your parenting, the Holy Spirit will tell on your children. See, the thing is, if he did it for me as a youth pastor, I know he'll do it for me as a parent. Why? I was a youth pastor. And kids would walk in and the word of knowledge would kick in. That's what they did today. They just had a fight with their parent. Go talk to them. I'll be preaching. And one time I thought I was just giving a creative example. I didn't plan on giving an example. One kid yelled out by accident, how did he know? It was the Holy Ghost. He's calling out stuff. It got to the point where the kids would come to me and say, look, we're going to tell you before the Holy Ghost tells on us. Here's what happened today. We've already repented. We know what to do. We're going to keep on going. He's nodding because he saw it happen all the time. Why? Supernatural youth pastor. I believe in talking to the Holy Ghost. It even got to one point. The kids would go to school, and see, I, could, I had access to the schools. I would visit the schools, so I'd show up at the schools all the time. But then even when I wasn't there, there would be, be I remember one kid told me, said, I was about to get in a fight, but then I heard your voice. Not Jesus' voice, your voice. It scared me so much, I took off the other direction. <laughs> what happened? The Holy Ghost was involved. If you're always seeking the Holy Ghost in your parenting, he will show you the same things. He will talk to you about what's going on in your kid's school. So you need to be up at that school. Don't be an absentee parent. Always be there. They should know that if anything goes down, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so is coming to the school. They shouldn't be, oh, do they have parents? Oh, no, they have parents, and they're going to be here in about five minutes. You should be a present force. You know, we joke about my dad. My dad was always at our schools. Always. But he forgot we grew up in the Word. We all knew the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost would warn us before he would show up. (laughs) So me and my brother would talk about, ooh, there's a disturbance in the force. (laughs) We think dad's on campus. I remember one time, I just said, I think he's here. And I looked up. Five seconds later, he walks by the window, so I just wave. (laughs) What? It was never a question, would my dad be at any of my events? He was always there. Always involved. Be that for your children. Always be there. Because you know what that shows them? The Heavenly Father. Your kids will view the Heavenly Father's fatherhood based on what you do. Make it easy for them to believe in the love of the Heavenly Father. Because you fulfill the law of love and the law of honor. Amen? Amen? Stand to your feet. Praise God. One of our purposes as Faith Christian Center is to build strong families through the practical teaching of the Word of God. We're going to have strong families, we're going to have royal families. We're gonna have families that fulfill the call of God that's on their life. You know, there's a phrase that people talk about, well, all the kids are going out into the world. Nope, not our kids. Church kids belong in church. And they belong in growing up and raising up church kids of their own. And that's what we're gonna do. I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.